0: Hello, and welcome to Preacher, a podcast designed around the reality that many of our churches are still shrinking because we're not creating places where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. So welcome. I am your host, Jen Hale Christie. I want to give a huge shout out to the awesome patrons of this show, Sarah, Steve, Tom, and Sue. You guys are literally the best and I'm so grateful for your support. If you are listening and you haven't yet joined our Patreon community, now's a great time. You can join with a support level as low as just three bucks a month and your support keeps this good work going, keeps all the episodes available online. So thank you. Links are in the show notes. We have a guest preacher on the podcast today, so without further ado, let's
1: hear a word. The movie The Princess Bride debuted in 1987, starring Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Andre the Giant, Billy Crystal, and several other famous actors. It tells the story of a farm girl, Buttercup, and her lost love, Wesley, and the terrible political actions of one Prince Humperdinck. If you haven't seen the movie, don't worry, we're going to talk about a scene that is understandable without knowing the larger plot. The scene starts with two friends, co-conspirators in their efforts to bring freedom for Buttercup and the release of their friend who has been kidnapped. One of them, named Inigo Montoya, has a second motivation because he knows of a man with six fingers on one hand who killed his father. The same six fingered man who is torturing their friend. They have followed the trail post kidnapping to a small woodland clearing, but are unable to see where he is being kept. We see Inigo kneeling in the middle of the forest in an almost proposing sort of pose, sword held aloft in his hands. His friend, Fezzik, is a bit confused, but lets him continue his process. Inigo, almost whispering, speaks to his dead father, saying, Father, I have failed you for 20 years. Now our misery can end. Somewhere, somewhere close by, is a man who can help us. I cannot find him alone. I need you. I need you to guide my sword. Please." guide my sword. Then, in silence, Inigo stands and begins walking around the clearing with his eyes closed and his arms outstretched. He spins one way, taking a few steps, and then another way, and then finally he feels led to push his sword forward. The end of it pierces a small knot in the trunk. Of a tree, but nothing else happens. He opens his eyes and, looking disappointed, lowers his sword. He then covers his face with his elbow in disappointment and despair and leans against the trunk with one arm. Immediately, by leaning on a secret button, Inigo opens the door hidden in the trunk of that tree. Leading them to the dungeon where their friend is being held. If you have seen this movie, this is both a deeply meaningful and very silly sort of scene. What kind of a person would close their eyes with a sword in their hand in the middle of a forest and hope that some spirit of a loved one would guide them to a secret door? There is nothing directly wrong with asking for help from long-gone loved ones, but maybe it's not a functional way to make most decisions. It's pretty disruptive to anyone's weekly schedule to have to go into the forest every time we want to determine God's will. However, for some of us who believe, this scene might feel a bit familiar. Sometimes, when we want to ask God for guidance in our daily life, it can feel a bit aimless, silly, Pointless, like standing with our eyes closed in a clearing, sword held high. Certainly, there are times where we resist specific instruction or guidance from God, hoping that if we just pretend God has not asked anything of us, we can avoid having to do what God wants. But I think more often, we are just not sure how to allow God's will to make an impact on our smaller, everyday decisions. Guidance is a long-term spiritual discipline, less like an event of prayer or fasting, and more like total spiritual transformation. Guidance means asking God to lead us, and then following God's lead in every element of our day. The purpose for Christians is to integrate our trust and confidence in the will of God into our actions as everyday people. Guidance is about knowing daily, life as a friend of God, but also whose desire and will we choose as our own. You'll see the natural connection between guidance and discernment, and there's no question that these are similar elements in the process of making holy choices. My interpretation of the difference is that discernment, as it is often spoken about, has to do with a specific circumstance or issue we're seeking God's will. It requires additional time and energy dedicated to learning God's path. Guidance is more about making ordinary tasks of our day also conformed to God's will and desire. Guidance means identifying the quality, spirit, and content of the voice of God in our regular actions. Let's read our text for today and reflect on God's guidance. We're reading from Psalm 25, four through 10, and verse 20 and 21, and I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth, teach it to me, because you are the God who saves me. I put my hope in you all day long. Lord, remember your compassion and faithful love. They are forever. But don't remember the sins of my youth or my wrongdoing. Remember me only according to your faithful love, for the sake of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and does the right thing. He teaches sinners which way they should go. God guides the weak to justice, teaching them his way. All the Lord's paths are loving and faithful for those who keep his covenant and laws. Please protect my life. Deliver me. Don't let me be put to shame because I take refuge in you. Let integrity and virtue guard me because I hope in you. This whole psalm is about seeking God's leading in our life. The writer of the psalm speaks poetically about the ways they want God to guide them and help them to know how to live. I want us to focus especially on verse eight and nine and what they might have to tell us about letting God direct our lives. These verses focus on two concepts that are essential to our ability to learn how to be guided by God. The first element, is that we have to believe that God is just and right. If we cannot first trust that God does what is right, just, holy, and good, then learning from God and being led by God is undesirable to us. The psalm writer in just these two verses affirms that God is just, loving, good, faithful, and right. Our work as believers As those who hear this message is to believe that it is true. It is difficult to believe at times that God could possibly know enough to lead us well. What about the things we don't tell God, the problems and issues that affect us, but we keep a secret? Remember that God knows all of us, our best and worst mentalities, our greatest fears and concerns. God is not lacking in knowledge or understanding, and God's will for the world can be trusted because of God's promises to us. The second concept that might affect our ability to be led by God is that we must choose to trust that God wants to guide us. It is not a chore or something that God forgets, but rather a central element of the relationship we share. God is not doing this out of some social obligation. God wants to teach and guide us. God wants us to walk in God's will, in the path for the righteous. God did not choose us as strongest and best of our communities, but rather sinners and the weak, the psalm says. Because of this, we can also rest in confidence that God desires to work with us, Not as resistant children, but as beloved children of God. So if the psalm writer is reminding us of God's trustworthiness and justness, and informs us that God desires to teach and lead us, what is the next piece? We want to begin to trust God and God's desire to show us God's will. But how do we go about it? One way to think about our next step is by thinking of this as forming a friendship with God. By choosing to trust God, who is our friend, we can believe what the psalm writer says is true. In order for us to know that, we must also know how to identify God and God's will and voice. In our human relationships, you can tell when it is your sibling calling to you in the grocery store if you're separated. Or you notice when your friend says something out of character, making you suspicious. This is also true with our connection to God. As we spend time with God, in the text, our alone time, with other spiritual people and communities, in the spirit, we can learn how to identify the voice of God over the voice of temptation. In doing so, we can recognize the quality of God's voice. One that draws us in and encourages us is not rude or insistent. We can recognize the spirit in the voice of God, a spirit full of grace and mercy for us. We can discover the content of what God's voice says as compared to what God has said before with the whole of the biblical witness to test against. This is the fruit of choosing to let God guide. Rather than our own impulses or tempting desires, any threats in the world. There are many ways that God can give us guidance. Like any friendship, there is more than one way to communicate, and this is only more true by a divine God communicating with finite humanity. I will reference a few of them now, but remember that God communicates God's will in many ways, and it is our job to be listening and receiving that guidance. Two starting ways God guides us is by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures themselves. As a member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is God's presence among us, prompting our heart, leading us to speak or keep silent, and working in our everyday to shape us to be more like God if we take the time to listen. The scriptures are the written word given by God as a way to practice comparing the guidance we receive with the truth of God's character and will found in the Bible. We also have spiritual people around us and the faithful communities we belong to, whose examples and advice, because of the leading of the two pieces we just mentioned, allow them to offer God's wisdom to us. We also see God's guidance at times in the circumstances of the world. God does not always act to change The outcome of major world circumstances. But sometimes, the content of our days is what shapes and guides us by God's will. Lastly, and perhaps most controversially, we can also be guided by the integrity that is within us, especially if you have committed yourself to God for many years. We know there are times when our hearts and instincts are led astray, and I don't need to name any examples for you because you already thought of some, but we as believers who have been seeking to know and act in God's will for years, decades, or even over half a century, having been shaped by God's will, because of that we can also use our own holy instincts and spiritual consciousness as a part of God's guiding work in us. Each of these elements never works alone because God is working with and in us to guide by many methods. Those of us who are followers of Christ are continually growing as we learn to heed the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the teachings of Jesus in our individual lives. But we must also strive toward unity in the body of Christ as we seek the will of God as a group. God longs to guide us now, not only as individuals, but also as a body. Unity. Not a majority rule is the goal of seeking guidance, and this is not simple agreement, but the certainty as a community that we have received the voice of God. We hear this in the words of the Gospel of John when Jesus says in chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The goal for us as followers of the shepherd is to go together in the way that the shepherd is leading as we trust that the shepherd knows our best way. One of the most beautiful truths of God's guidance is the way it is always renewing. Every day when you wake up, no matter how long you have failed to listen to God's voice, no matter how your week or month has gone, no matter your own doubts about the truth of God's will or desire to teach you, you have a new chance to allow God to lead you. Each day, our own willingness and desire to receive God's guidance is a major part of how we can start to receive it. Because God is always willing and leading us into love and compassion. As the one who created us, our own desire to be guided and led will never be greater than God's desire to guide us. This we can be confident in.
0: If today you find yourself on the outside without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash Jen Hale And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at Jen Hale Christi. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time.